when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Anita Rao. And I'm Sandra Davidson. We are back after a week of vacation, or to be more precise, a week of Anita's vacation. Anita, how was your trip out west? It was wonderful. Um, I was in the Bay Area, which I've never been to before. I've only been to L.A. and parts of Southern California, and it's just so pretty. (laughs) Um, Your pictures were killing me. I know. We went to Big Sur and um, just spent time around Oakland and... I felt like it was funny because I kept, like, having to reassess my – you know, when you go somewhere new, you're always like, oh, this reminds me of this place. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like every five minutes I kept changing my mind because, like, it looks so different. Like, downtown San Francisco as compared to Oakland, even street by street. um, So it was gorgeous. And I am shocked at how hilly San Francisco actually is. Like, at one point I really couldn't (laughs) – I couldn't do something that I needed. I didn't couldn't go to this coffee shop I wanted to go to because I just eaten lunch. And I was like, I can't walk up this hill being this full. Like, it's (laughs) – serious it's serious it is serious um serious well we're happy to have you back thanks yes i'm happy to be back um yeah and y'all it's like spring it is verging on summer here in north carolina i'm sitting in the studio and i have on shorts and a tank top and as a true southerner i'm already considering turning on my air conditioning tonight (laughs) (laughs) because if it's cold outside you turn the heat on and if it's remotely hot down here you turn the ac on (laughs) i know um but it's really beautiful and it does feel like there's change in the air and i actually have had like three very strangely serendipitous things happen to me in the last week or 10 days and i can't really get into them But they inspired uh, part of our episode tonight. So, Anita, why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be talking about? All right, Sandra. That's kind of rude, leaving everyone with such a cliffhanger. I am a woman of mystery. (laughs) What can I say? I'll let it fly. Um, So tonight we're exploring the world of magic. Not the Harry Potter spell casting kind of magic, but the kind of magic that exists around us every day. Some may call it coincidence, while others believe there is a special kind of energy out there that we can tap into and seek guidance from. This kind of work can be done with the help of an intuitive healer or a tarot card reader or just all on one's own. Either way, this kind of support and guidance is something that many of us crave when we're trying to make a big decision, when we're healing from trauma, or when we just want to connect to something bigger than ourselves. 
We are joined in studio today by a tarot reader, writer, and healer who will help guide us through this conversation about magic. Yay! Bakara Whitner is a 26-year-old North Carolina transplant who's been reading tarot for a living for almost three years. She uses the Wild Unknown tarot deck that she got as a spontaneous gift from a mentor. And Bakara is about to open up her very own shop in downtown Durham called Everyday Magic, where she'll teach classes and workshops and sell healing crystals, stones, and meditation pillows. Bakara, welcome to She and Her. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank we're, you for being here. Yes, we're very excited to have you here in the studio. We today. are. Um, so we'd love to start just by talking about this concept of magic. Um, what is magic to you? Um, how do you describe um, what it means to, to do magic and work in the world of magic? Absolutely. Um, it's funny. I talk to strangers like all day, every day in readings, and I'm just like a little bit nervous here. But <laughs> That's okay. We're nervous before every show. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure I'll calm down because you guys are so nice and lovely. Um, so magic, it's funny that you said not Harry Potter magic because I grew up reading Harry Potter. I actually have a Harry Potter tattoo on my wrist. And so um, when I was little and somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, I told everybody that I wanted to be a witch. And of course, um, you get a little bit older and the world tells you that you can't be a witch, so you do some <laughs> other things. And now, um, over 10 years later, here I am, a professional, um, grown-up, full-time witch. So magic, for me, is probably nothing that you would expect or nothing that you would find in the dictionary if you looked up magic. Um, it is those everyday um, synchronicities, coincidences, as some people would call it, um, seeing miraculous things happen, finding beauty in unexpected places, um, the intention, and it's kind of corny to plug everyday magic so soon, but before I even named my store that, my whole thing and what I would tell all my clients is like, let magic be everyday, let mm. yourself see magic and everything. So. Um, that is that is my understanding of magic. It is it's everything. I see it everywhere. Well, tell us how you you got into this world. So you strayed from your Harry Potter ambitions and dreams <laughs> for a while. And as we understand, you went to New York. You wanted to work in books and publishing, and now you've been practicing magic for three years full time. Right. So that is there's a story there. So I never fully strayed from my my Harry Potter goals, hashtag Harry Potter goals. Um, <laughs> That's probably trending right now. Because um, I decided to work in publishing. So there were two major ways that Harry Potter affected my life was it made me fall in love with books and it made me believe in magic. And so when magic was taken off the table as an option to 11 year old Bakara, 11 year old Bakara decided, okay, well, books are amazing and in their own right, their own form of magic. And so I decided to get as close to books as I could. And as I got older, that meant working and publishing. So I went to school in Boston and I studied publishing. I think it's the only school in the country you can actually study publishing. <laughs> um, and I moved to New York and I got a job at a literary agency called Writer's House. And I loved it. And I loved the authors that I was working with. And any magical inclinations that I had 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 been not long since forgotten. I mean, I still had crystals in my room, but just because I thought they were pretty and I burned incense, but because I liked how they smelled, I didn't really understand the ritualistic um, or sacred value behind objects like that. So I was like 
flying pretty high on that still. I was loving my job and I got promoted pretty quickly, which my ego was like so stoked on. I'm like, yeah, I'm like killing it in my career. And this promotion um, just like killed me. It was it was more work than I was really capable of taking on. I went from working from one person to working for two people. Um, and one of my clients, an author that I was working with and helping her edit her book, was like, um, you're kind of a hot mess. You know, maybe you should <laughs> go to therapy. And I'm not, I was not averse to therapy in any way, shape, or form. I just hadn't found one in New York yet. And I was like, okay, sure, let me go to this therapist. And so she gives me this woman's email and it's like at Mac.com. And I'm like, no, no, like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, I want like at legit therapy person.com, yeah, exactly. you know? So, but I email this woman anyway and I'm like, okay, you know, what's the deal? And I met her once for a consultation. And I mean, she's just the most stunning woman you've ever seen. She looks like like a white witch. She has like dark flowing brown hair and she's like beautiful, like beautiful older woman. And I just walked into her office and felt um, calm and seen and didn't ask any of the you know, blustering, mildly offensive questions that I had planned on asking, like, why are you at a Mac.com email address? Yeah, exactly. Like, can I see your certification? Um, <laughs> so I started seeing her and, you know, I haven't had, you know, like a sunshine and rainbows life. So I, I have like a spiel in therapy where I can like tell you all the terrible things that have happened to me. And that's enough like cud to chew on probably for a few years. And she just wasn't taking the bait. So I'm seeing her and I'm seeing her. And a few months into seeing her, I walk in on a Monday morning and she I'm ready to, you know, complain about like my job and my life and, you know, my poor life decisions. And I sit down at her couch and she's like, you know, I just bought a tarot deck for somebody as a gift. Do you want to see it? And I was a little bit confused. Um, I wasn't really sure why she was asking me that. And I think I said something along the lines of like no like not <laughs> I'd never talked about not anything especially. like that no we had never talked about anything like that but she's like I thought of you when I bought this deck I just want you to see it and she put the deck in my hands and it was still like wrapped up in it's little like plastic packaging um but I just started to cry and I started to cry before I even had any like cognitive understanding of why I was crying and huh. I'd been on this woman's couch and many other therapists couch for years and years and years and had never uh had never cried before and so this had it just um it just broke something in me from like the second I touched the cards it was unlike anything I've ever experienced wow so then so you get the cards and she was going to give them to someone else and then if if I remember from our conversation earlier she said well these seem like they might be for you right yeah yeah Sherry said these are clearly for you please take them and I was like still kind of like weeping and I'm like but what am I gonna do with them like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what they are um and mind you it's like Monday morning so it's like 8 30 on a Monday morning I have an eight hour work day ahead of me so I mean I felt like somebody had handed me a winning lottery ticket like here is this like very very precious object and life-changing life-changing object and I felt it um 
like it doesn't surprise me now when clients call me and talk about like these life-changing moments or days or circumstances um because that was the first of many that I had that tarot had opened the door for um but I went I went to work and did literally zero work um I locked myself in my office and I spread the cards in a circle around me and I remember at one point Abner who was like our handyman like um like janitor guy (laughs) we were we were pretty tight and he like walks in and I'm like Abner look at these (laughs) and Abner's probably like uh Abner is like not like he doesn't doesn't really like understand what I'm doing but he did start talking about you know and this is what happens when people encounter magic he's like oh you know this one time with me like blah 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 um so yeah it it is really funny that it there's a few things that happen when I tell people I'm a tarot reader either you know in very rare instances um they'll back away slowly and in less rare instances they'll be like oh you know that's cool but I don't believe in that and the most common occurrence is someone will share their experience with magic so I want to back up a little bit or maybe it's fast forward I'm not really sure okay and this is more for helping our listeners understand a little bit more about tarot so tell us what it is Tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they come to have a session with you. Totally. Oh, yeah. A tarot. Okay. <laughs> so the tarot is a deck of 78 cards. Um, the origin is unknown. Um, there, it dates back. I mean, decks can be traced back to, like, I think, like, the 1500s. There's, you know, myths that it's was used in ancient Egypt and all this stuff. But basically... It's a deck of 78 cards, and together these 78 cards capture the human experience. And so if you sit down with me and I pull six cards from you, for you, it will speak to the experience that you are having in any given moment. So the way that it's broken out is there's the minor arcana and the major arcana. And the minor arcana is four suits, ace through ten, and then the court cards. So this is like the idiot-proof way that I understand it. Mm-hmm. So the minor arcana is broken out like a deck of playing cards. So there's these four suits. And the four suits are kind of like a cheat to see what aspect of life we're looking at. So there's wands, which is fire, action, creativity. So if you're in the middle of like a new pursuit or starting a new project, you'll get a lot of wands. Um, there's swords, which is thoughts, fears, intellect, the analytical mind cups which is love emotion connection healing romance and then pentacles which is work money health home so oftentimes a client will sit down and be like you know i just want to talk about work and they'll pull all cups and i'm like Hmm. well you don't want to talk about work (laughs) like busted (laughs) so that's the minor arcana and then there's 22 cards in the deck not associated with any suit and that's the major arcana Um, And the 22 cards begin with the fool, um, end with the world, and those speak to bigger um, overarching themes, lessons, energies that underpin the smaller situations or circumstances in our life at any given moment. So if I – so to kind of decode it, if I pull six cards for you and we pull, you know, all cups in one major arcana card, the major arcana card will inform kind of why – 
Hmm. Like whatever's going on is going on. What's the bigger lesson hmm. of it, you know? And how does the process of pulling work? Is it based on, do you, I mean, yeah, how does it work? Well, that is the great mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so funny because so many clients email me being like, so how does it work? And I'm like, I literally don't know. Um, I have no idea. I know that it does, um, which isn't something that I believed when I first started reading. Mm -hmm. I would tell my clients, this is probably you know, crap, just so you know, for the first like six months of mm. reading professionally. Oh my God, I'm so sorry to my <laughs> <laughs> to my early clients who stuck with me. Um, but I mean, basically it just can't be done wrong. Like mm. it would be, there's not even a, circum like a circumstance or situation in which it would be shuffled wrong. So you sit down, um, my first order of business is for you not to be freaking out. So people walk in freaking out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they've never gotten to reading before. It doesn't matter if they're professional tarot readers themselves. It's like before the show starts. You've done the show before, but like you're nervous. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just like chatting and chatting and chatting, but I start shuffling the moment um, that someone sits mm -hmm. down. And so it's all the questions of, oh, where'd you, where are you coming from? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and the cards basically start... Um, receiving the information from your energy, from me shuffling the cards from the moment that you sit down. And then at the end, when we're about to start, I have um, my client cut the deck. It doesn't have to be with their left hand. It doesn't have to be three times. They cut it however they want and put it back together. And that's another moment where it's so funny because we're still trying to hold on to like some semblance of control, even though you've already paid, come to my house. Like we're shuffling a deck of cards and asking about our life, but it's like, well, I don't want to cut it wrong. It's like, mm. please, it's like too late for that. <laughs> um, you can't cut it wrong. Um, but I don't know. I literally, I don't, that's like the closest that I can get mm. to how it works, which is amazing. Wow. Well, take me back now. So you, I mean, you alluded to challenging moments in your childhood. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe if you can expand upon that and maybe expand upon how your interest and um, understanding of magic maybe evolved alongside some of those troubling experiences or d did those have a relationship before at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is the archetype of the wounded healer and it's pretty much true 10 times out of 10 um, because the reason I haven't come across um, a healer who does legitimate efficacious healing work who isn't attempting to heal themselves at the same time and so the belief is that we are wounded in the perfect way that over the course of our lifetime in healing our own um, wounds will also heal other people so um, for me I grew up um, in Chicago with a mother who was an addict um, and also really depressed and a father who well, whatever, um, a father who's a narcissist and really just didn't have any interest in being a father. And so me and my brother kind of grew up in this very violent and chaotic home where my mom was, you know, either, you know, on drugs or, you know, something something terrible or hectic was going on and my mom and dad were fighting. And then when I was six, um, my mom passed away and I found out when you're young and things like that happen, I mean... I don't know what your guys' memory is like from age six, but it's just very like foggy. choppy yeah. and yeah. foggy. And so I didn't even think to ask until I was 14 and had like a random memory come back to me of like how she had died. And it had turned out that she had taken she had taken her own life. And mm -hmm. so at that point, I found, found that out 
when I was like 14 or 15 and was already like deep into my own like teenage angst morass I think I was probably addicted at that point as well and when I was 18 I got sober um not because I had this like moment of awakening but because I literally got arrested in my high school parking lot um so I didn't really know I didn't understand what addiction was and obviously not like most addicts especially 18 year old addicts don't believe that they're addicts um but what I know now and what you know 12 step recovery programs assert is that addiction is a spiritual malady and so that you know whatever you're looking for at the end of a trip or at the bottom of a bottle is really that um sense of connection or home or belonging um and that's a hole that everybody has in some way or another um so that made me mad um, because I was a very, oh God, I like think of little me. I was a very angry atheist teenager. <laughs> um, and the idea of a higher power was something that I had absolutely no interest in. But I mean, the wound, the wound was that it was losing a mother when I was really young. And you think of, you know, people in your life that you can't live without. And for a lot of people, their mom is like one of the first, you know, people on that list. And so yeah, the healing the healing process for myself like combined with tarot has been bringing in mentors, mentors and mother figures and people who will kind of um help um cuz I didn't it was I was so young I just didn't know what a mom was supposed to do. Mm, yeah. Um and so Sherry, the one who gave me the tarot deck and a few other really incredible women along the way kind of mothered me until I figured out how to mother and love myself. And that was the transition to North Carolina where I I found a lot of that in New York and then moved here when I felt like I didn't need it anymore and like I could give that to myself. And so your timeline from getting that deck of tarot cards and then quitting your job to pursue reading tarot for a living was eight months. It was. And you were learning from other people you were teaching yourself how to interpret the cards and somewhere along that path you had a really transformative experience with your mother in a dream would you talk a little bit about that yes yes of course so um back to me locking myself in my office um that Monday that I got my deck so I I'm sitting in my circle of tarot cards and I and picking each one up and I had this little guidebook that came with it it was about a paragraph on each card and I just felt like I didn't want to look at it I just wanted to pick up each card and I would look at it and be like I think you mean this and then I would pick the next one up until I went around and that night I looked at the guidebook and they pretty much all um lined up and it's almost comical how quickly every single thing about my life changed just as a result of these cards. So I'm sitting in an office that I worked really, really, really hard to get to. Um, It wasn't like I was sitting in a corporate job that I hated and, you know, landed in and was settling for. I was in a job that I loved, that I wanted to stay at forever. And it was kind of jarring because it's like that dream died right away. Like Mm -hmm. I had no desire to continue working in publishing. Things that felt important before didn't feel important anymore. Um, And when you are open to intuition when you're open to the possibility of magic things are going to just change in your life pretty quickly so 
that's the eight month timeline. But in the course of that eight months, the first thing that happened was I got a call from a friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to in over 11 years. And she's like, I have messages for you from your mom. And before that, I would have been before I got my cards, I would have been like, do you need money? Like, are you (laughs) okay? Like it would have, I mean, just like completely, which, which is still a normal reaction to like someone you don't speak to for that long coming and saying something that's really that intense. Um, so she, um, called me and gave me a lot of, um, very specific information about a family situation that was going on at the time. And she also said that, um, your mom wants you to find her, typewriter pen um because my mom was also a writer she was a journalist and she I'm a writer as well and I was finishing a book at the time and she's like she wants you to wear her blue and white typewriter pen while you write it will help you finish the book and so I like then like you know dug through her old jewelry boxes like went home to Pittsburgh found the pen and still have it um and after that she visited me a few different times in dreams and so it's not necessarily the like picturesque moment of healing because I think I still have a lot of anger towards my mom for leaving us in the circumstances that she did um but I know I like feel her now she's not sorry that's the hard thing because like I want her to be really sorry that she took her life um and she just isn't mm-hmm. like she 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 couldn't have done any better here. And so it's hard because somebody dies and it's not like they immediately become like saint sanctified. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still, you know, kind of more or less who they were. And now it's been almost 20 years since my mom has passed away. So there's gradual change that's happened mm-hmm. in our relationship. But the full healing of that will probably be like a life task it will yeah. take. It will take my whole life. Well, t- tell me about that. How did you transition from being atheist, teenager, Bakara? I don't want to hear anything from anyone yes. to being able to be open to thinking about these kind of things, being able to be open to receiving messages from friends and from loved ones. That seems like a very dramatic transition. Did you go through stages of skepticism? Um, how did you get there? Yeah. Um, skeptical, kicking and screaming the entire way (laughs) literally every single step of the way so I got arrested in high school and for a lot of amazing people looking out for me um I it looked like I graduated early rather than got expelled which is like actually what happened um my dean worked some magic and said if you go to a rehab program then we won't arrest you and ruin your entire life and so I'm this you know angsty angry little teenager I'm like I don't care arrest me I'm not going to rehab and she um I've since thanked her uh profusely but basically just wouldn't let me destroy my life that day Mm -hmm. um so I went to this outpatient rehab program that was five days a week and it was all these young kids and in order to graduate the rehab program, you had to go to a 12-step meeting um, at least like three times a week. And so basically all of my life choices at that point were pretty questionable. So there was this, you know, hot guy in rehab who's like, (laughs) which is like 
if you like when you hear the words like Hawkeye and rehab, like <laughs> run away. <laughs> the first bad sign. <laughs> so, that's a good good life lesson. There. Yeah. Like just do anything else except the Hawkeye and rehab. But he said it was after it was after our group one day, and he's like, "I'm going to the ten. Do you want to come?" I'm like, "Yeah." Um, the ten was a twelve step meeting, and I had no idea. So I walked in and. You know, my first thought, which is a lot of people's first thought, is you walk into this meeting and you're like, oh, look at these, like, sad, sorry losers who have to live their pathetic lives without alcohol, and I'm so much better than them. Meanwhile, I'm, like, 85 pounds. My hair is falling out. Like, I'm, like, not, like, Mm -hmm. chilling. I'm, like, not walking in on a good day. Um, But, you know, addiction has the power to do that. It'll tell you anything just so you keep trying to feed that hole. So I walked in, and the first thing I looked at is the 12 steps on the wall. And the first one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable, which I was very reluctant to do, even though my life was definitively unmanageable. But the next step was we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves would restore us to sanity. And so I'm sitting there, like, about to, like, run out screaming. Um, But I told myself I would just sit for this one meeting and... I mean, the people there were so cool. It was like this 10 p.m. meeting they met every single night, um, which is unusual. Usually a meeting will meet once a week or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was every night at 10 p.m. So it attracted all of these young people who were, you know, happy and funny and successful and, you know, didn't like wake up wanting to kill themselves every morning. And I just wanted in on that so badly. Like each person spoke and they said something that was so vulnerable and resonant or true to me I felt like a whole room of people was telling my story Mm -hmm. and so I got really scared because I had an inclination that first night that I had found this like family that I had been looking for and looking for and looking for um but I just had no idea how I would get on board with the god thing so Um, And they, like, swooped in on me. So when there's a new person um, that comes in, basically, like, they didn't necessarily want to to be my friend at the time. They just, like, don't want you to go out and drink and die. So um, all these people came up to me. They're like, come on, we're going to Denny's. And then this weekend we're going bowling and blah, blah, blah. They just, like, handed me this new life. And so I was talking to them. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, the God thing is you know, not really my thing. And I had all these like articles to back it up. I was such a little, such a little punk. Um, and they all just left um, because nobody comes in. When you come into a program, you're pretty much like beaten down by life. Like you're just not doing so well. And so nobody's coming in like, you know, skipping in with God being like, <laughs> yeah, I'm great. Um, so nobody was as concerned about my um, spiritual hangups as I was. And it was like a couple months later I'm like still on step one like couldn't do the couldn't do the god thing and I was taking a nap and I had a dream that I was on my way to a party with like my old group which was not a good group it was a group of like at 16 it was you know gangbangers and drug dealers and gun carrying you know whatever um and I had a dream that I was driving back there and I didn't want to drive back there but I couldn't control like the car and Mm -hmm. so I tried to like 
jerk it and turn around really quickly and like came into like oncoming traffic and a um, truck like almost hit me and I like shot up and I'm like oh thank god that was a dream and I get up to go to the bathroom and I was still like pretty groggy I guess because I stubbed my toe on the doorway and like landed right on my knees oh my gosh and so you can't make anybody believe in anything and that is not quantitative proof of anything um but that was really all that -hmm. was really all that I needed and then these people being like well you don't need to believe but do you believe that I was where you were and I believe and this is where I am now I'm like sure that makes sense so um it's proved itself that was the first but certainly not the last time that evidence of a higher power has um worked in my life yeah how do you feel like how, how do you respond to the criticism that as you said you know any you can't pull the wrong cards like you can make something that you can talk about or you can find connection from whatever you draw how do you respond to people that say then so then what are you like what are you even doing really mm-hmm. or like how does this work or is this really doing anything is this just sort of drawing a line between things that just show up yeah I mean that's what I my skepticism when I first got this deck was exactly that I'm like this could be you know anything I'm also a former addict so I'm like deeply manipulative and I would say to my client you know I would give a reading first to somebody I'd be like you know I just manipulated yet another person like I can't believe I (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know I can't believe I haven't gotten called out on this yet um that is something that just healed over time. Um, and when I look back at the readings that I have that I give and like what I'm able to kind of pull for people, it's just too specific. Like I've read, my favorite thing to do is like when best friends will come and get readings together, they'll both get hour long readings and they'll both sit in the room while the other one is getting it. And like at the end, usually if like two people are getting a reading together, what they'll say is like I can't believe how specific it was to Hmm. this person's life Um, because I don't really remember the readings that I give Mm -hmm. as I'm giving them Um, so I mean if somebody walks in that's like my favorite kind of person like give me a skeptic any day like Mm -hmm. I had this guy walk in um, and he was so mad he was so mad he was there it was while I was still living in Brooklyn and he you know walked in and his arms were crossed and he's like you know, like, no offense, but I think this is, you know, crap. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, none taken, but that is kind of offensive. Like, just so this you is know. my job and so, my life work. But. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't bother me because people, people are, um, they're scared. They're scared to be seen. Like, I'm scared to be seen. When I sit down for a reading, my thought is like, <gasps> they're going to know. It's like, know what? Like, what are they going to know? Like, mm-hmm. that I suck? I don't know what I'm afraid <laughs> they're going to know. Um, but when people like that walk in, I think that, like, part of them wants to scare me away, and then part of them wants me to not be scared and mm-hmm. to kind yeah. of meet them there. And so with this guy, I'm like, well, you already paid, and you already emailed me a week ago to schedule for today and then you took the subway from the Upper East Side to Brooklyn so like (laughs) what do you want to what do you want to do like do you want to do this and he sat down and I mean like 15 minutes in he was just um he was just in tears like and that 
I resonate with that because my defense is to go into like let like me see your killer. credentials from yeah. What, where yeah. you got your like, therapy license me, from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me like rip you apart, let me intimidate you, let me scare you. Um so that doesn't that doesn't bother me. I'll happily have like a conversation with anyone who doesn't believe. I believe in it so much at this point that if somebody comes up to me and is like, "Oh, you know, this doesn't really work," right? It would be like telling me my name is Maria. It's like, "No, my name is Bakara, but I'm sorry that you think my name is something else." Right. Um, it's that real to me now. Hmm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Well, so we have been talking with a couple people we know about this episode, and we have a lot of friends who believe in this sort of thing. And so we have a story from... A friend of mine who I went to graduate school with, Katie Clune, she's a folklorist like myself, and she had an experience with a clairvoyant over a decade ago that came to fruition within the last, Mm -hmm. um, the last, gosh, six months. So we're going to play that clip and then ask you maybe to reflect on how you understand how that works. Oh, yes. I'm excited. I was working at my high school job and it was a paint your own pottery studio and I was always really eager to, you know, kick people out at least about 15 minutes before closing so my high school self could walk out the door at 8.01 and meet my friends for whatever plans we were up to. Um, But this one night, this woman was, like, deeply involved in a painting project, and it was 7.45, and I was kind of doing my gentle not so gentle thing of going around and putting up all the stools on the tables and turning down the music and trying to close up shop and this woman could tell what I was doing and she was like hey let me make a deal with you like if you let me stay and continue painting until I finish I will read your aura like I I'm a little clairvoyant and I've you know I could do this for you and I thought, great. (laughs) So I let her do her thing, and I think she was there for a good, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes after closing. But she, afterwards, she invited me to sit down next to her, and she took my hand, and she pinched the soft part between my thumb and forefinger and just kind of sat there and kind of read my energy, essentially. And she told me that she could see like a lot of water and travel in my life which I thought was interesting because I grew up in the foreign service and she said that 
I would make my career using my hands. And she kind of did this like sewing motion, like you're feeding fabric into the sewing machine. And I thought that was pretty cool because I, I did costumes for my high school. And she said that an antique gold and green lamp was going to be really important in my life. And I've been thinking about that lamp since 2005 and wondering in the back of my mind, like, all right, you know, what is, is it going to be like in somebody's house? Is it like going to be up in my office? And I sort of like during graduate school, I spent so much time working at my table and I have an old banker's lamp that's has a green glass shade and a gold base. I was like, is this the lamp? Like, it means I'm going to be sitting at this table and working on my thesis a lot. Like, I was kind of disappointed. But then I started seeing someone um, who doesn't live in the same town as me. And the first time I went to visit him in Norfolk, we went to a show. And then we were walking around the town afterwards. It wasn't our first kiss, but he, like, stopped me in the sidewalk and turned me around and kissed me. And as I, like, pulled away, I looked to the right, and we're standing in front of an antique lamp store. And there are, like, two or three gold and green antique lamps. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) And then I think, you know, some homeless guy was like, hey, you spare a dollar, which kind kind of ruined the moment. But... It's really struck me, and I ha- I honestly told him about it, like, a few weeks later, and I think he probably thinks I'm a little nuts, but the one lamp that was, like, super green and really stood out to me is 200 bucks. but I'm thinking about going back and getting it just because, like, that's got to be some kind of auspicious symbol because we're still seeing each other, and it's going so well. talking about her experience with the clairvoyant. So, thoughts, Bakara? Yeah, wow. Katie, go get that lamp, um, for sure. So, I I teach tarot, and this is a really good example of why I am such a stickler for making sure you know what you're doing before you do it, because... She got this symbol of a green and gold lamp, and she held on to it for years and years and years. And so people get readings like this, and they remember. Um, And I think it's humbling for me because I do it all day, and I don't necessarily hold um, the consciousness all the time of, like, how people hold the information that they get. Um, But I I don't think that there's a lot of people who go into magic to hoodwink people. Like, I think that if I say something... And it seems like this woman kind of brought her in and gave her this information and believed it to be true. And then your friend also believed it to be true and they made a contract. And so it Hmm. and so it was, Hmm. you know. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So we are running out of time. Oh, Anita, you got one more. One more question. I just I I have a thousand more, but (laughs) we can we only have time for one more. Well, I was just thinking about how, so obviously your professional journey has been incredible um, in the past three years, but how about your personal journey? How is, you know, we got the picture of 18-year-old Bakara, and then we got the picture of 22-year-old Bakara nervous in, in New York with his publishing job. Where are you personally at 26, and and how is this work going to impact 
sort of where you're going? Yes, that is a good question. Um, I mean, this work has profoundly healed me. Um, it has healed the way that I move through the world, the assumptions that I make about life and people. I inherently believe that the world is a pretty benevolent place and that the odds are kind of rigged in my favor versus the old mentality of everyone's out to get me and I need to stay safe and protect myself. I believe that, you know, vulnerability is true strength and honesty is true strength and that it's safe to actually love someone or care about someone or need someone and that's not like a stupid thing to do that's going to, you know, open you up for attack. So the personal journey has been unbelievable because there is all of this like verifiable success um but very little ego like I don't feel like I did anything I feel like the more I surrender and the more I get out of the way the better things go for me Hmm. and I also don't um give myself too much time to stay in a successful spot so in New York it got to a place where I was making enough to live and save and take vacation and you know have the life that I wanted and then we moved and then we moved and it you know calmed down and turned into something else and now I'm in the process of opening a store which um truly I have no idea how to do at all like Google has taught me how to open a store um Google and Nerve so um a lot of a lot of winging it but I think the biggest difference it's made in my life is um I'm okay with being in the unknown now and trusting, like, in the unknown, I'm more inclined to feel like things will probably be okay versus being like, I can't believe I did this. I'm going to fail at life now. Yeah. How about your store? Do you want to give us a preview of what it's going to look like? What's going to be in there? Is it opening? Um, So Everyday Magic, it's right in the heart of downtown Durham. It's on the corner of Parish and Church right by Bull City Burger. It is the space of my dreams. So it's on a corner. There's windows on both sides. The light is unreal, which is great because I'm like a fiend for natural light. (laughs) The opening party is Saturday the 19th from 5 to 9 p.m. Um, All are welcome. There's going to be tarot readings and crystal consultations and a custom dream catcher station and all other, um, a lot of other really cool forms of magic. We open officially on the 20th, um, both in in store and online. And the website is shopeverydaymagic.com. Um, and it's going to be carrying basically everything that I have in my house and use in my own personal rituals. So it's going to be um, stones, crystals, incense, candles, singing bowls, uh, incredible curation of tarot and oracle decks for all different levels of interest and education um it's also going to be really exquisitely and ethically made um skincare and body care and home goods and pillows um basically everything if you want to walk in and say i want to be a witch what do i need (laughs) um you can get fully outfitted you can also walk in after a breakup or after a job interview um and kind of get a curated selection of objects for whatever your intention may be at that time so it's called an intentional lifestyle store but only because i'm not calling it a witchy girl store (laughs) (laughs) but intentional lifestyle store is the official tagline 
Great. All right. Well, Picard, thank you so much for joining us. And if you will tell people where they can find your work, too. Oh, yes. My website is com, and you can book sessions and contact me on via that website. Great. And social media? Um, Instagram is bakaraw, B-A-K-A-R-A-W. Perfect. And we will link to all of Bakara's stuff on our website, which is a clearinghouse for all she and her related stuff. That's sheandherradio.com. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can rate us on iTunes, which... Why would people do that? People would do that because they feel that the power tells them to. <laughs> yes. Do it. Please do it, y'all. Please do it. I'm Please do. do it when I get home. Yes. It makes a big difference. It really helps uh, listeners find us and helps us connect with a bigger community. She and Her is produced every Thursday at the studios of WHUP Hillsboro and our theme music is made and produced by Cameron Laws and Sam Gerwick. Cameron also did our logo design. We are grateful to them and what are we what are we missing? I don't think we're missing anything. Um I think do we th- I hope we thanked you. You did. Thank you. Well, we'd like to thank you again. <laughs> we would like to thank you. Again. <laughs> thank you thank guys you. so much. This was so much fun. Awesome. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.